Give me another name. Uh, Alyosha. <laughs> Alyosha. Okay. Yeah, that's that's good. Alyosha. So, um, welcome to back. I'm glad to see you again. And that um, the kind of question that you ask seems to be something that'll. Ah, uh, here's our friend calling now. I'm going to head and join him in. This is Asher. So, welcome to the call. Thank you. Don't see your um, video yet. Oh, I'll fix that. There we go. Okay. Hey, so yeah. This is Aliosha. This is Asher. Aliosha is in um, Eastern Europe, right? In Hungary? Oh, nice. Oh, no, no. In, uh... Germany, Germany, but yeah. Germany. Oh, I used to yeah. live in Germany. Oh, interesting. Yeah, I live uh, in, in Hamburg. Uh, I was in uh, Heidelberg and Berlin. Oh, I see. Huh. Um, Asher, is there any way that you could get your cell, your cell phone settled down? You're in the dark and walking. Yeah, I move into an area with light right now. I'm outside because my fiance is trying to sleep. <laughs> uh, well, um, <clears throat> Alyosha and I had just started to talk about Anapanasati uh, in, in uh -huh. more of an organized kind of way. Though we practice it in a normal, natural way, we've got to organize it in order to present it as a concept. Yes. That makes sense. And so the um, Anapanasati, the word sati is there. And sati is the primary word. It's the primary ingredient, even though the Buddha says that right view comes first. Instantaneously, right uh, sati comes first. Because you mm. have to remember to look right. yeah. and that's what sati is all about is to remember and we see it in the anapanasati and then we see it as sati as one of the items of the eightfold noble method itself we then are being uh newly i guess introduced into the satipatthana or the four foundations that we're actually going to be looking at are the four foundations of mindfulness and when we get that developed through Anapanasati, then that kind of completes the Eightfold Noble Path. And when the Eightfold Noble Path is close or near or at completion, then it's referred to as the actual factors of the awakening. And there you have the leading ingredient is Sati. But in this case, it's referred to as unremitting Sati. Now, that unremitting quality is completely different than most Westerners have the idea of always. But in fact, the always has a whole lot to do with the issues and problems of concentration, which we'll get into in a moment. So, <clears throat> even at the highest level, where sati is absolutely developed as a 
excellent skill, it's still not there 100% of the time. Just but consistency. It's consistency. It keeps coming back and keeps coming back and keeps coming back. And we want to start to develop that with our Anapanasati. And so we can think of it this way uh, as with each in breath, it's going to be a long in breath because we're going to kind of make sure that it's a long, deep in breath. And that making sure that it's a long, deep breath or the understanding that this is a long, deep breath is the sati. Okay, that we know that this is going to be a long, deep breath because we're thinking about it. But most of the breathing we don't think about. Mm -hmm. I have heard and I can have a great deal of, um, let us say, mathematical um, evaluations around this, that people take on the order of about 14,000 breaths a day. I hardly wow. think that's true. I would say that even when people are, are more of in a panic mode, you're still around about 7,000 breaths a day. Well, if we can bring that up into hundreds of mindful breaths a day, then we're making real progress. Especially if we bring that um, mindfulness up just when we need it the most when things happen. So we're watching one by one as they occur, as things happen, and then all of a sudden something really big's going to happen, or maybe a very, very short, quick sequence of events that happen. And mm -hmm. I use examples like a uh, mother-in-law arrives yelling, or <laughs> wife starts an argument. Or we're tooling down the road and the red and blue lights um, uh, appear all over the inside of our darkened car while we hear whoa, whoa, or some ever sound. Uh, and almost everyone goes into panic mode then. So this would be an excellent time that we would need Sati to wake up so that we can handle the situation wisely rather than full of fear ignorantly. And that's the way, these are the reasons why we actually want to develop sati to the point that it's going to be there when we need it. It's almost like this way is a silly analogy. Just imagine that the world is full of drums, snare drums, bass drums, all kinds of uh, um, uh, uh, bongos, things like that flying through the air. And your only job into life is to hit that drum to make a noise when it passes by. Okay, so that would be the way of thinking of sati is to wake up to those things that pass by because we've got a job to do. Okay, and what that job is to do will be based upon wisdom. But that's a silly analogy that your job is to hit the drum uh, when it comes by. So we need to get ready. In fact, if there's going to be a whole lot of drums, then we probably would need that mallet close at hand. So whenever the drum comes, we can whack it. So uh, this is actually much different than what is normally practiced in meditation, which is called concentration. That in fact, the word samati in the Pali is, uh, and I thought it was for a long time until I 
understood it better. The samadhi does not mean concentration. It means putting things together. Mm. Recognized. Okay. So let us say an old alarm clock that was found in the attic and you took it to the repair store because it was grandpa's and it had some meaning or something. And he just polished it all up and took all of the dirt out of the wheels and got it all back together so that it kept really good time. Right. That would be a clock now in Samati. Or you can take it to another clock guy who happens to have a great big hammer and he's going to smash it into the smallest possible place. That's concentration. Concentrate that clock, but it's not going to function very well if it's concentrated. It's better to be well organized. And so that's one of the the things. Um, Now, what we mean then is, is that if we have the ability to wake up and see what's going on, no matter what, then that means in a way that we don't keep one object of meditation. That this is the problem that a lot of people have uh, when we come to understand that Anapanasati is taking not necessarily every possible object, but those objects that need to be paid attention to. Okay, and so what, and it's kind of a long list, and the long list is basically organized within the foundations of mindfulness or the um, foundations of the sati of what is it that we're going to be paying attention to and this is exactly the organization of the anapanasati sutta to where the first order of the anapanasati sutta is devoted to the first item of the four foundations of mindfulness which is the body and we have the body the feelings the mind and the mind's objects okay these four foundations of mindfulness, the Satipatthana, actually is ancient, worldwide ancient, uh, uh, basic physics. In other words, we have solid objects, we have liquid objects, we have uh, uh, air objects, and we have a fire. And those are the four basic elements. Actually, physics with temperature nowadays still have four states of matter, solid, liquid, gas, and plasma, or ionization if it's hot enough. Isn't that interesting? Mm -hmm. Okay, so the Buddha took this original old um, uh, understanding of the elements and, and rearranged it from the outside, which was what all of the old practitioners of the day were doing. They would have meditations, but they would have a casino. They would have fire meditations. They would look at the sky. And in fact, uh, sky gazing is where uh, a variety of, of, of human activities come from, most specifically astronomy, astrology, and uh, meteorology, the weather. All Mm. those things are the study of the sky. The humans have been studying the sky for centuries before the Buddha. But now humans own it as a normal activity. No one studies the sky anymore, mostly because we live in cities. We can't even see anything much because of Mm -hmm. all the light pollution and dirt in the air and whatnot. But here on this island, within two kilometers of a place, a really, really good look at. 
and it's high enough in the air so that it's uh, well above all of the street lights. And so right. all the light pollution is below. You can see it there in the valley. And then you can look up into the heavens and you can see just how magnificent things are. Okay. That's actually the expansion of the mind is to recognize that things are really, really vast. And so it's actually not a bad idea to do some stargazing or to do some. Um, I like the moon. That's pretty visible, even with the pollution and all that. <laughs> mm -hmm. Well, one of the ways of calculating it is how many stars are in your whole star field from horizon to horizon. For most cities, it's from 300 to about 3000. It's about all you can see. But here on the island, we can see the whole Milky Way. There's just, it's un completely uncountable. <laughs> you can see the whole Milky Way just stripping right by. <clears throat> so, when we understand now that Anapanasati, which is actually the practice of the Buddha, but the Buddha only gave one meditation practice, and that was Anapanasati, but it's a complete practice that's based upon everything the body, and everything about the body, the feelings, and all about the way that we feel, including learning to, as we're learning to take control of the breath, we're also going to learn to take control of the feelings so that you can begin to feel the way you want to feel, as opposed to feeling the way that you developed a habit of being. Because we think that that habit basically is me, and, and this is just the way I feel is how people express it sometimes where they don't recognize it. No, you've got a choice about how you feel. Right now, you can change the way you feel. <clears throat> so, um, with, with that, we also understand that there is the mind, the chitta nupasana. So there's kaya nupasana, vedana nupasana, chitta nupasana, and then dhamma nupasana. These are the four foundations, the body, the feeling, the mind, and the mind's objects. But the mind is the forerunner. So we begin basically to work within the teamwork of the mind and the body until we get that. If we cannot control the, um, the breath, or let us say if we can control the breath, the only way that we can control the breath is with the mind. So by controlling the breath, we're already controlling the mind. Easy mm -hmm. enough. Once we have the body and the breath under control, we can kind of do a pincer movement for the feelings because the feelings are actually associated with the body as well as the mind. They're kind of the intermediate place between. And so we learn to control the feelings by learning to control the thoughts because the thoughts that we have actually um, have some sort of effect. In other words, the state of mind that we're in has to do with how we feel. So if someone is really, really angry, then all the blood in their body is into defensive positions and none of it is in the brain. That's why we can't think very well when we're angry. <clears throat> this is why they don't want uh, to have any ad hominem attacks in debates is because if someone gets really ticked off because he's been uh, challenged or uh, insulted, then his next stand up to bit debate's not going to be very good. His, his mm -hmm. mind is also keep being drawn back to the other topic. 
And so um, this is a, a, a way of understanding that the mind jumps around and sometimes it jumps into stuff that makes us feel bad, that we have a um, mental connection between the feelings and, and the body. Uh, in, in fact, the way that I would speak to it is, is that for our whole lives, we have been talking ourselves into feeling bad. And now is the time to start talking ourselves into feeling good. Which is exactly the way that the Buddha teaches the Eightfold Noble Path in the sense that one's right effort is to remove these unwholesome thoughts and to start putting wholesome thoughts in the mind. And so we have to, <clears throat> in Anapanasati, if we look at the various steps of it, what I'm actually talking about now is step nine. So that rather than seeing Anapanasati as something that has to be uh, practiced in order in a step-by-step -step progression, think of much more of it as a waltz. And it's also a natural progression. And so the natural progression is, is to wake up and take a look at. And so what we intentionally take a look at is what's in the mind. And then we take the right effort to change what's in the mind and also take the right effort to change our breathing. Kind of together. And so you can also say that uh, one of the definitions or one of the ways of talking about sati is to wake up. The word would be normally would be to remember. So uh, it's not just a good memory or having lots of facts at hand, but basically huh. to remember to do something. Mm -hmm. Remember those the, the analogy of the drums flying through the air. Well, we have to remember to hit that drum when it flies through the air. Okay, so this is what sati is, and this is the number one skill to be developed, is the sati to remember, to come back and be here now, to remember to come out of our daydreams, to remember to come out of the thoughts of the past, or thoughts of the future, or thoughts of work that needs to be done, or thoughts of things that should have, would have, or could have been done, old arguments that you've had, patching things up, all of that kind of stuff can be thought of as unwholesome thoughts in the moment because generally we don't feel really good when we're thinking about the past and the future. We get anxious, uptight, frustrated, wanting things that we can't have. So thinking about something that we want that we don't have how do we think about it? We think about going into the future to go get it. We think about going here and going there and doing this and that in order to get that which we want. But if we recognize right now, I don't have it. And right now, I don't need it. Right now, everything is really okay. And so this is basically the foundation of the practices to remember to come back into the here now out of our thoughts, out of our lust, out of our desires, out of our past and future, and start thinking about what's happening right here in front of us. This is not the same thing as stopping thoughts altogether. We're just going to redirect them. We're going to corral them. We're going to make sure that the thoughts are wholesome, one after another. 
And so we're basically now going to be talking ourselves into feeling good. And how we do this starting off is by talking to ourselves. We may not feel good yet, but at least we can take a deep breath. And we can enjoy that. It's really interesting. People say, well, I don't enjoy the breath. It's something that I got to do. And the answer to that is, well, wait five minutes. Wait till you really want that breath. And when you do get it, then enjoy the heck out of it. This is a good exercise from time to time is to actually run out of air completely. And then that next breath. Oh, it's so nice. So beginning to think about the breathing this way is just so nice. It's really great to breathe. And mm. so we, we begin to elongate the breath and make the breath uh, more dynamic, more full, because we're paying attention to it. That's another way of thinking of sati. The, the uh, way of thinking about sati is to pay attention to what's going on. Pay attention to what you're doing. Pay attention to what your body is doing. Most people say when they say pay attention to what you're doing, they're thinking about focusing on the object. Like you've screwed up some object and you got to think about what you're doing with that object. But here we're talking about, no, just thinking about what the body is doing. If it's manipulating an object, then watch the hand manipulate that object rather than having our focus on the object. We're going to focus on the hands. We're going to focus on the body. So we begin to think of it like that. that coming back to the here now means bringing the mind and the body together in connection. So that we're thinking about the body and thinking about the mind. And then as we do this, we'll begin to also pay attention to how we feel. That very early in the game, often students will say, well, now I'm experiencing anxiety. And my first question will always be, well, how old is that anxiety? Is this brand new anxiety from the meditation or is this an old anxiety that's now uh, revealing itself? And almost always the answer is, this is old stuff. I've seen this before. This is an old familiar feeling. But it's often not, um, it goes up and down in intensity. It actually changes locations and whatnot like that. So one of the ways that we can then start working with the body to experience the body with these uh, emotions and feelings and things is to start to take control of them also. How would we do that? Well, as we breathe in, does that uh, anxiety increase or decrease? Is it like opening the chest? Can I actually breathe through the anxiety? But in our language, we would call it getting it off your chest, right? Which is normally a lot of loud noises made by making a lot of air coming in and out. So getting stuff off your chest may not be the vocalization. It may be just the breathing of being able to get stuff off our chest by breathing. So this is one of the ways that we start working with this by talking to ourselves about, hey, I can get rid of this anxiety. I can just breathe into it and I'll feel a whole lot better. So this is how we begin to see the Satipatthana working with the Anapanasati of the body and the feelings and the mind and the mind's objects. By focusing the mind's objects, we can relax the mind. Focusing the mind on the breathing, we can relax the body. And when we get the mind and the body relaxed, then we can relax the feelings. 
very good, easy way to think of it like that. And then there, when everything is relaxed, everything is okay, no problems, nothing to do, no place to go. Everything is okay. And so having those kind of wholesome thoughts will help us to relax. So when the body is relaxed, when the feelings are good, settled, satisfied, and the mind is clean and pure, this is what we would mean by the mind is fit for work. So that we can then begin to look at all of this stuff. Now the intention is, is to, to pay a lot of attention in detail to how we feel because we're going to develop these feelings by bringing uh, first off the quality of being safe and secure that we actually want to go to some place that is safe and secure to practice Anapanasati, because when we are in a place that's safe and secure, now we can actually appreciate, yes, we are safe right here and secure right now. Everything is okay. And so the next thing that we do is that we sit down in a comfortable posture, or it doesn't matter the posture, you can lay down any posture that you're in can either be comfortable or uncomfortable. And so we're going to make sure that the body is comfortable. This actually goes against the actual teachings of the Buddha goes against sitting in meditation for very long periods of time because the body gets tense and uptight by sitting for a long period of time. But our intention is to keep the body relaxed. And so by keeping the body relaxed and keeping the, uh, the situation safe and secure, we now can work on making the, the, bringing the feelings into the feeling of satisfaction. Everything really is okay right now. If I have thoughts of wanting something that I don't have, then I'll be dissatisfied. Then I'll think my satisfaction comes from getting that which I want. But no, you can just be satisfied without it. But getting it doesn't necessarily bring satisfaction. It may be momentary satisfaction. But then if you lose it, now you're dissatisfied again. So recognizing that satisfaction is a state of mind that can be cultivated because dissatisfaction is the way that we're taught in our society. And it seems that there is no end to the dissatisfaction. I mean, it doesn't matter what you get that you want. Once you get it, it's not enough, and you want something new. Mm. Somewhere along the line, if you're wise, you're going to become satisfied. And if you're very wise right now, then you've already got enough right now. And so being satisfied right now. This, this quality of safety, security, comfort, and satisfaction in the Pali is the word sukha. The word sukha is actually the opposite of the word dukkha. And so what we're actually practicing in order to remove dukkha is bringing the mind into a state of sukha. That easy. A lot of people in the West, because of projections of time, think that it's a long time between dukkha and Dukkha Naroda. But the reality is, is no, the sati 
it's only one mind moment away. But all we have to do is to remember that everything is okay. Rather than uh, uh, remembering the kinds of thoughts that we've been in the habit of thinking that things are not okay. And so we intentionally start thinking about and recognizing that things are okay. And we do this over and over again. And as we do it over and over again, we actually begin to feel safe. Begin to feel comfortable. We begin to feel satisfied. Everything is all right. This is actually quite an amazing feeling. And so uh, we, we want to cultivate it. We want to um, apply the mind to the wholesome and keep the mind sustained on the wholesome for short periods of time, but then come back and apply the mind to the wholesome again. <clears throat> and as we're applying the mind to the wholesome, the outcome is, is that the feelings begin to feel safe, secure, comfortable, and satisfied. This is uh, safe, secure, comfortable, and satisfied is actually step six of Anapanasati. So, in fact, we have talked about step nine a little bit and step one. Step 10 is, in fact, this right effort. And in the Anapanasati Sutta, it's referred to as gladdening the mind or brightening the mind. And so whatever heavy thing or important thing that we've got on the mind, we set that down and brighten the mind, gladden the mind. Take all of the importance of anything out so that we could just enjoy the moment. This is the gladdening or the brightening of the mind. Step 10. So with step nine and step 10 of the investigation of the situation and brightening the mind brings on this step six. And as we develop this step, step six, we begin to change our attitude. This is where the next ingredient of the Eightfold Noble Path comes in. And that is as right view, right sati and right effort run and circle around each other, we begin to add a new ingredient and that is uh, uh, the Pali is Sama Sankapa. And we can think of it as an, an intention or an attitude or a leaning or an expectation, or something that happens in the mind often very fast. And so we begin to change our attitude from the attitude of a loser, oh, this is hard, or oh, I forgot again, or oh, whatever. We begin to change our attitude into the winner. I've got this, I can do this, I know how to do this. This is actually uh, part of the practice that the Buddha says is the first step on the noble path is when the student knows that no matter how obstructed the mind gets with hindrances, that he, he knows that he can throw that stuff out and come back to this present moment. Now, that's the winner's attitude that we know that we can do this. But we have to practice it for a while to make sure that we know that we can do this. This is not a, uh, a hope kind of thing or a faith kind of thing. This is gathering evidence. <laughs> this is data collection. Experience. Pardon? Experience, because you've done it many times before. You have experience that you can do yes. this. Right. 
that's and that's the experience then and that experience comes bringing it back that hey i can handle things i can handle this i am the boss of my own life i can handle the world this is that samasankapa that is so pronounced when you see those that are considered by nobles they are strong that strength that comes from the knowledge that I know what I'm doing because I've been watching what I've been doing. So that that knowledge then becomes um, a heavy part of our psychology. This is actually the changing of the personality from the personality of, of the ordinary person who is a loser into a lion. This is why the Buddha is referred to as a lion. He knows what he's doing because he's watching what he's doing. He's been watching it long enough and he knows how to handle things. And he knows that no matter what situation he gets himself into, he'll be fine. Be good. And so we begin to develop this attitude. That attitude then in the uh, reference to Anapanasati. Ah, he left. I think that it probably is cell phone. So, uh, without Anapanasati, the the word that we're looking for here in the Pali is the word pity, which is the fifth item on the list. Now, as I said, the list order is is meaningless, but in Pali, the word pity and sukha are often used together. Pity sukha. And, it, and that's the combination of uh, the pity and the sukha. And the sukha is the first, but it builds up into pity. And the sukha then is the sense of well-being, the sense of um, safety, security, comfortable, relaxation, satisfaction. And then on top of that, the knowledge that you've got, that you're a winner now that you can do this. So these are the steps of Anapanasati that we've been looking at. Number So in fact, we've actually done quite a lot of it because take, uh, looking at long, deep breath, uh, in breath and out breath, and uh, that's step one. Step two is for a different purpose, and I generally don't spend much time talking to the students about it. Step three is in experiencing the body, which is what we're going to be doing, is to feel, to experience, to get in touch with the body so that we can feel the touch of the cloth. We can feel the, breeze, the breeze and the wind. You can feel the hair and how it touches. You can feel the air as it's moving in and out of the body, both inside and outside. And so we begin to experience the body with the intention of finding the tension and relaxing. So the whole point of experiencing the body is so that we can learn to relax it in many, many uh, detailed little uh, ways. Right. And so that's the um, uh, the kaya nupasana of the body is the breathing intentionally with sati in order to experience the body, to look at it, and then to relax it. Well, that's basically what we're going to be doing with feelings also. 
right? And so by, uh, but we do that in a kind of different way, but we also do that with the mind, that we relax the mind and we liberate the mind. We also relax uh, the feelings and begin to see the connections between the feelings and the mind. That in fact, there's a, uh, <laughs> the boundary between the mind and the feelings is a very, very sloppy boundary. Hard to tell where it really is. That in fact, many of the thoughts that we have are nothing but the actual experience of feeling, sometimes a feeling of sensation. Okay. Uh, but if you think about it like this about anxiety, how do you know you've got anxiety unless you just experience it directly? You don't just think anxious. The thought anxious comes later after the actual experience of it. Well, the mind experienced the anxiety, which was in the body. So when we recognize it like that, we can see that a lot of what the mind is doing is not necessarily discursive words but rather paying attention and looking and seeing with the eyes and listening with the ears and experiencing the body. This is part of the thinking process. But the verbal part of the process is also making sure or reassuring ourselves that everything is safe and comfortable and relaxed and pleasurable that we're actually not looking for. We're actually experiencing pleasure. And so uh, this stuff begins to build up. And so as we do this, we begin to see how everything arises and passes away, arises and passes away. This would be uh, what we would call, um, after we get the mind fit for work, what are we going to do with the mind that's fit for work? That's the kind of way that we want to look at it. Well, actually, the things that we're going to do after it gets fit for work are the same things that we were doing to get the mind fit for work. But there's a big difference now. And that is, is that the difference is, is that when we were getting the mind fit for work, there's still hindrances in the mind. Once we get the mind fit for work, now all we have to observe are wholesome things. That's amazing. The wholesome things. So what are the various wholesome things that we can observe after we've got this together is the very things that we were doing. And the very first example that and I'll introduce this as a new term is a apply the mind to the wholesome and sustain the mind to the wholesome. This would be our now new object of meditation, is how am I doing? Am I watching? Do I remember? How am I, I, can I keep going? How's my guarding? Can I make sure that the thoughts are wholesome? This is what we mean by applied and sustained thought. Now that uh, is done best when the mind is free from hindrances, because what we're doing is applying the mind to be free from hindrances and sustaining it so that it is free from hindrances. So these three things uh, together, removal of the hindrances and applying the mind and sustaining the mind would be then our first object. As we get 
good at that so that we know for sure that one thought after another after another is wholesome. We now then can begin to um, investigate or appreciate the feelings that have been coming along all along. In other words, we also investigate the feeling, how is my safety? How is my security? Do I really feel safe? Do I really feel comfortable? How is my satisfaction? Is this really satisfying? Because a lot of people say, yes, I got satisfaction, but I want more. Or we say sometimes I really feel joy in this meditation, but it's not enough joy. I want more joy, right? So we're looking for real satisfaction is, is that it doesn't matter how little the satisfaction is, it is actually satisfying. It actually does the job of satisfaction. And so this is one of the objects of meditation would be our satisfaction, which would also be the same as, um, yeah, he's just saying that he uh, ran out of power. So he, um, so back to where we were talking about this, and we'll go ahead and finish this up for right now. And that is, is that our objects of meditation are actually going to be the process of Anapanasati, and there's another way of looking at it, and that is, is that we're going to be investigating the jhana factors. And in fact, we've been talking about them, and I haven't even mentioned that word yet. And the jhana factors, number one, is frequent hindrances. Jhana factor number two is applied and sustained thought. And with applied and sustained thought in the wholesome, sustaining applied to the wholesome, sustaining it in the wholesome, then sukha begins to arise, and then eventually pity. And as these things arise, we begin to take them now as a new object. So that then when we're really, uh, when we get ourselves to the point that we really are completely blissed out, where there's nothing left, I mean, we're just right at the top of feelings. Then there's no reason to continue to talk ourselves into being. There we are. So now we begin to spend time watching how good we feel how nice this is, how wonderful things are. And and uh, how actually, in a way, how enthusiastic and eager we are for this wonderful, marvelous state. But then that begins to relax back into the state of stuka again. So that the pity arises, it peaks like a spectacular fireworks, and then back into the uh, the sukha. So this is the kind of sequence of events that we would have with our practice as these various things, one by one, as they occur. The first thing that happens is sati. The second thing that happens is investigation. The third thing that happens is breath. The fourth thing that happens is gladdening the mind. The fifth thing that happens then would be uh, sukha, and then pity, and then real pity, and then uh, a calm kind of sukha. These would be the kinds of things as they go. And that one of the things that we're going to be paying attention to very early is our sati. How's our sati? How is our sati? How is it? In other words, can we keep applying the mind? Can we keep coming back to the present moment? to not let the mind wander away into, shall we say, inner space, 
<laughs> Lost between the ears. This is great. Thank you. Uh, this I think this really matches uh, some of the experiences I've I've had lately. So it's it's great to see that. Uh, yeah, that's kind of heading in the right direction there, and uh, that the kind of sunbathing and the good feeling that's that's uh, something that we want that we want to zoom in onto and really see for what it is. And it also like I find it. Uh, I was at first surprised like you kind of. And you really notice it and, it and it builds up like you said and then it just drops away again and you're like hmm. and then you note like you notice it again it kind of yeah, like you said it goes goes up and down that was also one of the things where uh in our first conversation that that got me confused where i was like um i got it and then it goes away why doesn't it just go deeper but it it comes in in kind of in kind of waves mm -hmm. Right. It. Um, uh, yeah, we're looking for a middle path, not an extreme. Mm -hmm. And so, um, this this middle path is the is the path that's between, um, let us say, wanting things that are really, really, you know, no matter how good we feel, we can want to feel better, but. What good is that to us? Why can't we feel satisfied mm -hmm. with what we have right now? We'll be, uh, we'll spend a whole lot more time being satisfied if we're easily satisfied. But our culture requires us to be tough on ourselves, to not be satisfied with good enough. Got to be better and better and better at it. So this is the practices to keep coming back to getting your mind in a state is good enough. Good enough. So would you say then that the waves at some point they are not as steep and steeply falling and that they kind of middle out a little more? So it's you're kind of moving more in the middle there? No guarantees on that. Sometimes you'll feel like a nut, sometimes you don't. It's going to be an up and down kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. What your job in a way is, is to start watching these cycles that you're mm -hmm. going to be in, because you're going to be in these cycles. But if yeah. you see it from inside the cycle, then when you're at this point, you'll say, I don't like it when it goes to that point. Then you get used to it. And then you say, well, I don't like it that it goes to that point. So the thing to do is to draw back and begin to see over time that the mind is, is in cycles. So is that uh, something that you would also call impermanence, that you kind of notice that? Or is yes. that something else? Yeah? Yes, that's the uh, the whole thing, is the arising and passing away, the yep. cyclical nature of everything. Everything's on a cycle. The and then you, the but the and you, you, you experience that really, like, no. Mm -hmm. That in fact, the, the cycle of breath is kind of a samsara. You breathe in and then you breathe out. You don't keep breathing in and breathe in more and breathe in more. And how big a breath then you take? Yeah, you yeah. Have to stop <laughs> until you pop. <laughs> or you'll pop exactly. <laughs> and that's not recommended in this course. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. So 
that, that's yeah, that was really helpful. So that's uh, that gives me uh, now that I feel that the mind is a bit more fit for work lately. That gives me something new there to to observe and um, keep in mind. Yeah. Excellent. All right. Well, I hope to see you again. Hope to see you also on the Sangha meetings on uh, Skype. Yeah, I think I'll, I'll make a Sunday one again, the UK one. That's that's uh, great. That's a good one. All right. Thank you, Damarato. Yes, we'll see you soon. See you soon. Bye. Have a good day. Bye bye.